Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. Give it up for the band. These guys are awesome. And today I had the privilege of joining them, which uh, those of you that don't know, um, that's kind of like what I did before I was a a preacher. I I sang. um, I was a worship leader for like 10 years, I think, or ever since I was a kid, but officially like 10 years and then kind of moved on to other things. Um, But I've always felt in my heart that God allowed me to sing so that I can talk to people about Jesus. So we were in a band when I was... um, 19, 20, 21 to like about 23, I think, um, 24. And I was in a band with some of the guys that were up here. And sometimes they were like really like Gabriel, one of the best guitar players I've ever played with, great guitar player. And um, he would get on my case sometimes. You got to work on your vocals and this and that. And, and I, they would get upset at me, but I'm like, I'm not a singer, man. I sing so I could talk to people about Jesus. And uh, we'd play in bars and I'd talk to people about Jesus. And we'd play in churches and I'd talk to people about Jesus. We'd play in the streets to the homeless, and I would talk to people about Jesus, and so today I got to sing, and now I get to talk to people about Jesus. Today we're going to look at the book of James. We've been going through the book of James, those of you that are here for the first time. The book of James was written by Jesus, uh, by James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, and um, it's one of the most formative books for us as Christians. It tells us how we should act how we should act because the world is looking. People are always watching us, and that's why we titled the series Paparazzi, because you don't know where the paparazzis are going to come from, but they're there taking pictures, and that's how it is when we go to work, when we go to school, when we're in our neighborhoods, when we're with our families, when we're at parties or whatever. People are watching us because they know what we claim to be, and they're trying to see, they're trying to find evidence for our beliefs. And so today we're going to look at James, and he's going to teach us how to manage our mouths, and so I really wanted to title this sermon Lengua Trapo, right? But um, I figured uh, I would name it something that when people look for the podcast, it would be something that would make sense to them and not Lengua de Trapo, but um, words of mass destruction. Because sometimes our words can cause a lot of pain and can destroy. You know that in one year, your conversation will fill 66 books with 800 pages in each book. If you're a man... You speak 20,000 words a day, more or less. And guess how many words women speak? About 30,000 words a day. You know, it's like the guy who asked, do you resent when your wife has the last word? And he replied, no, I'm just glad when she finally gets to it. Right? (laughs) Have you ever heard the saying that someone's born with uh, a silver spoon in in their mouth, right? I think I was born with a silver foot in my mouth. And, um, you know, I have this natural ability sometimes to say the wrong thing um, at the wrong time. And um, John Mayer wrote a song about it. It's called My Stupid Mouth. My stupid mouth has got me in trouble. I said too much again on a date over dinner yesterday. I feel like that's a lot of my dates. I say stupid things. And then, and then we play chess with the salt and paper shaker. But um, a couple, you guys know Yuri. Yuri, raise your hand. Yuri's our friend that has 25 children, right? And he has a beautiful wife. Her name is Monica. She's in the third row here. We love them. 
Well, about a year ago, um, Yuri and some of his friends are like, hey, you know, Monica and I got married civilly, you know, and, and we want to have a ceremony. And, but, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and, and sometimes, like, if you're talking to me at church, like, remind me, whatever we talked about, because sometimes my mind is just all over the place. And, and so he's like, yeah, you know, but it's a surprise. And I'm like, okay, you know, don't worry about it. I never talked to Monica. Like, when do I talk to Monica? And so, like, three, four months go by, and I see him, and he's with Monica and his 25 children, and I think it's six, but after six, 25 is the same thing. And, uh, and so I walk up to them and I go, hey, Monica and Yuri, like, you guys haven't talked to me again about the wedding. And Yuri's like, <laughs> and I'm like, what's up, bro? Are you sick? Like, what's going on? He's like, <laughs> and so I stuck a silver foot in my mouth that day and I spilled the beans and they still haven't had the ceremony. Monica, I'm really sorry I ruined this for you. Maybe there's something that we can do for them and, and, and do that. But, uh, but yeah, our mouth gets us into trouble. James talks about how the tongue, he talks about the tongue more than anything and anyone else in the Bible. Like almost in every single chapter, he's talking about how powerful our tongues can be. And James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is per- a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So if you're able to control your tongue, James is saying that you're a perfect man. He's not talking about sinless, but this in the Greek, which is the language that this book was written in, the book of James, it literally means mature and healthy. If you're someone that can control the things that you say, you are mature, you're healthy. See, what happens when you go to the doctor and you say that I'm sick? One of the first things he says, well, stick out your tongue, right? And by sticking out your tongue, he can tell if you're sick or not. The same thing happens with us spiritually. Our tongue, the way that we speak, the things that we say, the way that we talk to people, our children, our spouses, our friends, our family members, the way that we talk about people when they're not around can tell us how we are doing on the inside. James says that if you've learned to manage your mouth, you've learned a good thing. You've got to have your tongue under control. You see, that's why... I wanted to title the message Lengua Trapo because my dad used to tell me that sometimes. Lengua Trapo, cállate, you know? And it's so important to watch what we say. And why must we do that? Why must we watch what we say? There's three reasons. The, per- the first thing is that my tongue directs where I go. My tongue directs where I go. It's a tremendous influence that our tongue has over our life, over our relationships, where we're going, where we're going to be years from now. The things that we say and the way that we treat people. What do you talk about the most? That's where your life is going to be. We shape our words and then our words shape us. I'll say that again. We shape our words and then the words that we say, the words that we use shape us. James says that the tongue, it's small. It's tiny. And because it's so tiny, sometimes we think that it's insignificant. Oh, he doesn't really mean it. He's just saying it. But it has tremendous power. James chapter 3 verse 3 says, when we put bits in the mouth of horses, we can turn the whole animal. Have you guys ever seen these huge stallions, like 2,000, 3,000 pounds, and there's this like 95-pound jockey on top of the stallion, and there's this little bit in the mouth, and he's able to control this monster, this this, this like body of pure muscle and directed where it needs to go. In the same way, our tongue controls every direction of our life, whether we want it or whether we don't, where we're going. A phrase can influence the direction of your life, your relationships, 
Then he goes on to say, consider a ship. All right? Have you guys ever heard of the Royal Caribbean Symphony of the Seas? I have a picture of it. Honey, close your eyes. Uh, no, the Symphony of the Seas is the largest cruise ship in the world. It's actually docked here in the port of Miami. It's about the size of four football fields. And so you think that's big? It's probably four to five times the size of that giant stadium that we're looking at right there. It could carry about 7,000 people at one time. It has 18 decks, 23 pools, 12,000 plants, and the largest water slide at sea. And one of the things I love, because I don't know about you, but whenever I go on a cruise, I tell the guy on the phone, I want the cheapest room. I don't care about the view. Like, you know, because we're a family of five. I can't even imagine Yuri and Monica going on a cruise. They'd probably have to buy it. Look at this family suite. Look at that. And there's several of them. It's like 1,500 square feet. It has three bedrooms, an air hockey table, a slide for the kids to come off. You know, after they wake up, there's a private bedroom. I mean, if I go on the, on the Symphony of the Seas, I mean, babe, that, that's the one room I want, you know. Uh, the anchor is equal to the weight of 10 cars. Yet, I want you to look at this next, next picture. Those little rudders on the bottom, those tiny little things compared to this monster of a ship, it's what directs it. It's what tells it where to go. It's the guidance system. And James says the very same way our tongues direct us, our tongues take us to places that we wish sometimes we weren't even there. And if we go back and think, could it have been something that I said, something that I did, or maybe something that I didn't say? So our tongue can direct where we go. Also, my tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue can destroy what I have. James 3, 5 says this, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. Now imagine for a minute, you're, you know, doing a barbecue and there's a spark and just a little spark can cause an incredible, incredible amount of destruction. One of the largest forest fires in California started by the spark of a hammer hitting a piece of metal. So it wasn't even like, you know, gasoline or a lighter or a match. It was a hammer that struck a piece of metal. In 1983 in Australia, one fire overnight destroyed 600 miles of land, villages, livestock, all from a single match. They were able to trace it back to a match. You guys remember the giant fires in California? They're still investigating how that fire started because they're trying to bill someone for the billions and billions of dollars that the California Fire Department spent trying to turn these fires off. And so there are people now spending millions of dollars trying to find out where this fire started. James says that your tongue can destroy like that. Our tongue can destroy just like that. You can lose it all. Like a careless camper can destroy an entire national forest. A careless word can destroy a life overnight. Thousands of lives. Gossip is like fire. It spreads. It wrecks havoc. Think about that. Think about how much it hurt that one time that someone talked about you. And you heard of it and you're like, oh my gosh, that hurts so much. I thought they cared about me. I thought they were my friend. Isn't that what we say when we confront someone? that I thought you were my friend. I thought you were better than that. You know, I could imagine the halls of this high school. How much gossip happens every day in this school? And sometimes the words that a kid, think about that. Some of you are carrying today the words that some punk in high school said about you. 
or that a teacher maybe said to you, or a parent, or a friend, quote unquote. Man, when I was a youth pastor, and kids would get in trouble, and they would say, no, because my friends, you know, and I'm like, are they really your friends? When you got in trouble, where were they? They were snitching on you. They were, they were ratting you out. We have to be careful with the words that we say because our words can hurt people. Kids, young people in the room, be careful with how you talk about someone, make fun of someone. Oh my gosh, she's this, she's that, she's short, she's fat, she's ugly, she's got pimples. You say those things and sometimes it scars people forever. You could talk to some of the grown-ups in this room and say, yeah, you know what? I remember when they said that to me and it hurts. And if you're hurting today, you're in the perfect place because before you leave, we're going to pray for Jesus to heal those wounds that you've been carrying for so many years. Have you ever met a verbal arsonist? Someone that just what comes out of their mouth is just fire. I want to tell you something. That hurt people hurt people. That person that hurt you, that person that's talking about you is someone who themselves is hurting. That's why Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. It's real easy to love our friends. It's real easy to love our family, but love your enemies. That person that's talking about you is hurt. And the Bible says that when you love those that hurt you, it's like you're putting hot coals on their head. It's like, what the heck is wrong with this guy? I'm talking about him. I'm mean to him, and yet they're loving me. James says that words can be like a campfire. They can burn us. It's like the Comedy Central roast. Have you guys ever watched one? I mean, Sometimes I blush, like I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to change this channel. I feel so bad for the person getting roasted. But even people that don't know God, that have never read the book of James, knows that words can burn. Even Comedy Central knows that words can burn. That's why they call it a roast. That's why when someone cuts you down in high school, they would say, you just got burned, right? Because it burns, because it's, it hurts. It does hurt. Has anybody here ever been hurt by a word? Can I see your hand? I know I have. I know I have, and it does hurt. Fire and words under control can bring t- tremendous warmth. It can bring energy. It can bring light. But words out of control, just like fire out of control, can be devastating. Proverbs 18.20 says, you have to live with the consequences of everything that you say. Think about that. We have to live with the consequences of everything that we say. And James, in verse 6, chapter 3, it says, it sets the whole course of life on fire. It is set on fire by hell. The devil, that's what, he wants to destroy us. He knows how powerful our words can be. And sometimes he will use the people that are closest to us. Doesn't it hurt the most when it's someone that we love? When it's someone that we care about, that says something that hurts us? And just a few words, an inflammatory statement can set off a chain reaction And now we look back and wars start this way. Wars start by just some random person saying crazy things in another country. Oh yeah, boom. And then wars start and people die. It's like, I remember one time I was counseling a couple many, many, many years ago. I was a young married man, a young pastor. And it was like, he he said this, she said that, and it was that, this and that. And then the husband stops and says, and then all hell broke loose. How many times have we said that all hell broke loose? Proverbs 21 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful with what you say. James uses another illustration. It's like the zoo. He talks about how every single animal has been able to be tamed. We got lions, we got elephants. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and children enjoyed 
circuses and that's over and we don't have to go into that right now. But I remember seeing these gigantic monstrosities, elephants walking and, and doing tricks. And I was like, whoa. And then watching documentaries on how they would train elephants in India and stuff. And they would tie this tiny little rope around their leg and the elephant wouldn't move. We've been able to tame all kinds of beasts and animals, yet no one can tame the tongue. He says, it is restless, evil, full of deadly poison. I remember when I took the kids to Lion Country Safari. Anybody ever been there? Right? And they have like all these giant wildebeest and these giant water buffaloes. But then what happens when you go where the lions are? They're like, don't roll your window down. Be careful. And then you see these lions. They're like, you know. But they know in a second, if that lion somehow gets out or gets a hold of you, it's going to rip your head off, all right, without any warning. You see, you can assassinate somebody with your words, assassinate their character, their tongue. It's a deadly, deadly weapon. The third thing is that my tongue displays who I am. My tongue, the way that I talk, the things that I say, it reveals my real character. It tells what's inside of me, what, what comes out of my mouth. First, James points out that we can be inconsistent with our speech. So we say that, oh, I'm a great person, I'm a Christian person, but then someone hears us talking and they're like, who are you? How can you claim to be a follower of Jesus? Verse 9 says that with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with the same tongue, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. From the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. We say things out of the same mouth. We're here, holy, we jump in the car, we're fighting with our wives, or we're fighting with our husbands, or we're yelling at the car next to us, are you an idiot or something? I've never done that. And it's like immediately after we leave church, and I'll be honest, and, and, and I am okay to say this, there are times that, that I am weak in this area, and, and I'll say something to one of my kids, and... We make mistakes. You make mistakes. But let me tell you something. Nothing is going to gain more favor in the eyes of your kids, your spouse, and God is if after you make a mistake, you go to your kid and you say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry I said that. You know, I've said, are you dumb or something? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's going to think. I'm, he, my kids think I'm like a great person. They're still in that age where they think that parents are cool and stuff and and, uh, and I'll go into the room, and I'll see them sad. I'll see them, and I'll, I'll get on my knees just so that I can look into their eyes and say, I'm sorry. I love you. You're not dumb. You're smart. And they hug me. And then you know what I see that happens? When they offend each other, and I tell them, say sorry to your brother, say sorry to your sister, every single time they do it. Why? Because dad wasn't good enough to not apologize. I wasn't too good not to apologize. And so... Man, we're going to mess up. And I don't say all these things to bring guilt on you. I'm saying, you know what? We have a chance. If you're breathing right now, you have a chance to right wrongs that you may have done with your mouth. You see, a lot of people will say something. And the common thing is this. Oh, my gosh, I wasn't thinking when I said that. Oh, I was having a bad day. You know what James says? That's not true. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not what's in the heart, the abundance. And so you have so much of this inside of you, it's overflowing and it's coming out of your mouth. 
So saying that I didn't mean it, I'm having a bad day, it's better to just say, man, I am so sorry that I said that. Forgive me. I'm not going to say it again. Than to really lie and say, I'm having a bad day. So this also causes us to think, who are the people that are around us? Who are the people that we're allowing to speak into our lives? You know, sometimes people say, well, if my mouth is so powerful, then I'd rather just not speak. But you know what God over and over and over again calls us to speak? He calls us to, to tell things that aren't as if they were, to speak things that aren't as if they were. He calls us to pray without ceasing. You know, instead of telling people that they're dumb or that they're annoying, let's build people up. That's what our calling is as Christians, as believers, It's to look at people that are in pain, look at people that are hurting and say, you know what, you have what it takes. You have what it takes to be successful. You have what it takes to achieve your dreams. Speak life into people. Think about that. Think about the, the number one way that we can even communicate with God. It's with words. That's how powerful our words are. God says, call on me and what? I will respond. And he's going to show us things, beautiful things that we've never even thought, imagined, could ever think of, just with our words. And so in a moment, we're going to pray. And I want you to know that whatever words have done in your life, God can give you a fresh start today. You're probably wondering, man, I've said some things and certain things have been said to me. You see, our problem, it's not a tongue problem. Our problem is a heart problem. That is the problem with this world. That is the problem in our city, in our country. It's not a word problem. Oh, why does he say these crazy things? It's not his mouth. It's his heart. It's not her mouth. It's her heart. And you see, science can fix a lot of things. Science can fix a broken leg. Science can give you therapy. Science can tell you, eat this stuff and this is going to happen. But there's only one person that can heal broken heart. There's only one person that can change a heart and his name is Jesus. You're maybe trying to fix your marriage or your relationship with books and blogs and videos and podcasts. All that stuff is good and I read it and I watch it. But just knowledge is not going to change it. You, we need to allow God to change our heart. Matthew 12, 34, so you can write this down. It says, out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so we need to do three things. We need to get a new heart. We need to think before we speak. How many times? Think before you speak. I say this to my kids all the time. Think before. Today God is saying, hey, you know what? Think. Pray. How many times have, have we said something that, man, if we would have said, God, help me in this situation, we probably wouldn't have said it. We wouldn't have used those words around God. And yet God can give us faith. God can be the filter of the words that come out of our mouth. And so when you don't know what to say, talk to God. Share your frustration with God. Psalm 141 says, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let's make that our prayer this morning. God, set a guard over my mouth. Some of us, 
We have, like my dad would tell me, una lengua trapo. We have a, a rag tongue, I guess. It just doesn't sound as good in English. Let's watch our words. Let's think before we speak. James 1.19 says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I'm going to invite the band to come up. And, and this is what I want our prayer to be. In Ezekiel, it says, Get rid of all your offenses, the offenses you've committed, and get a new heart and get a new spirit. You want to see change in your life? You want to see change in your home? Change with your children? Change in your job? Change in your career? Let's start speaking life into every situation that God puts in our way. Man, if I feel sick all the time, find something good to talk about and say, hey, you know what? I'm sick and I feel bad, but God is good. And there's other people that are worse than I am. Yeah, you know what? I, I feel bad today, but I'm alive. We could always find something good. And you know what's going to happen? Your life is going to begin to change. You're going to want to get out of bed. You're going to want to be nice to people because automatically now you have something to be happy about because you're speaking life into your situation. If you th what, what is bothering you right now? What is it? You don't have to blurt it out. Think about that. Imagine if next time you looked at that thing, that problem, that pain, you spoke life into that moment. And not like, oh my gosh, my kids are driving me crazy. You know what? My kids, they're amazing. The Bible says that children are a blessing of God. Help me pray so that we could get along better. It's completely different than saying, oh my gosh, my tienen loco estos muchachos. You know, one of the saddest stories in my life will probably be the saddest thing that ever happened to me was my great-grandmother. She died by herself because every time you called her, it'd be like, Abuela, ¿cómo está? Aquí muriéndome. Aquí, este, talking bad about los vecinos, talking bad about the neighbors. It's like every, I didn't want to talk to her, and I feel terrible saying that. But every single time that I was around her, there was so much negativity And she died all by herself. That's what words do. They isolate us. They build walls. And sometimes you think that what I really want is a wall. I want to keep everyone away. But that's not really what you need. You see, God created people so that we could have people to love and people to love us back. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. And if you're here today and you're ready to ask God for a new heart, And like I said, maybe for you, it's pain. It's pain that someone hurt you. Someone said something. And when I talked about high school and middle school, you're like, yeah, we've been carrying that. Or maybe it's something that you've said to someone at some point in your life and you need God to help you restore that relationship. I know that there's people that don't talk to certain family members and don't talk to their parents. And man, God can bring healing to that right now. Nothing would make God happier than for there to be unity in your home, than for there to be unity in your workplace, than for you to have joy. You know why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're carrying anguish and pain and frustration, you're not going to have joy. You're not going to have strength. You're not going to have peace. Like God talks about peace that surpasses all understanding. And so as the band plays, I'm going to come down. And if you need prayer, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus and say, you know what, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. It's broken. I need a new heart. Maybe you're a Christian and you want to rededicate your life 
to Jesus. Man, you, you thought, man, yeah, I'm, I'm saying things that I shouldn't say. I haven't been speaking life into my wife, into my husband, into my kids, into my employees. I've, I've allowed pessimism to become the theme of my life. I need to be known as a positive person, as a loving person. And you want to rededicate your life. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Let's cheer. We're going to cheer you on and pray with you and love you. And so if you're here again and you need healing from pain in your heart, pain in your life, I want to pray for you. And if you want to give your life to Jesus today or rededicate your life, I want to pray for you as well. So as the band plays, I'm going to come down here. And we're going to watch God begin to change lives. We believe that God can change lives. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be 